0: Hello, hello! Welcome everyone back to another episode of this, this, is this, is. this
1: Is
0: Hey Girl. Hey,
1: hi, ladies. How are you guys? How's it going? Good. I'm good. I'm over here, blessed at Holly favored. I know, I, know. I know you are. Exactly. <laughs> I know you are. You
0: know. hear that the people mm. don't know, but we know. I know.
1: Okay? what y'all know y'all got secrets
2: and we know what's going on over there in north
0: carolina in north Mm
1: carolina good things it's all
0: good things it's all good things that's
1: what i'm talking about let the blessings blessings flow flow yes
2: indeed yes indeed horizontally and vertically
0: okay
1: hallelujah hallelujah
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, okay so ladies today today I want to talk about something a little bit different you know normally we talk about most things like sex related and um, or sex education related but today I want to talk about um, a news article that actually Dr. Jay sent me um, that got me a little bit concerned but something I think is important for us to talk about as three um, black ladies who live in America mm. um, so There's a New York Times article that points out that the U.S. mortality, maternal mortality rate um, of pregnant women has increased specifically in 2020 related to the pandemic. Um, But it actually in that article also talks about how just in general, um, Black women are more likely to die in pregnancy or shortly thereafter, um, and that is a, a statistic that started even before the pandemic, um, but has continued to rise even through the pandemic. And I think it's something that we need to kind of give our thoughts on as three grown Black people that live in America. Uh, one
2: of one of whom is with child currently.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and would like to stay alive if you know if if at all possible. <laughs> so. And
2: also one of whom is responsible for these women. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. People, but I mean, also people who have children, people who have daughters who eventually are gonna hopefully have babies. um, But just, you know, somebody who's had a baby, you've had a baby Mm -hmm. yourself, something. Um, So I think it's something important that despite it not being necessarily about sex, I think it's still an important topic for us to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know Dr. J has stats for us because-
2: of course she does. Because well, why the heck wouldn't I?
1: <laughs> okay. Hello.
2: Run those so,
1: numbers, but I'm kind of nervous.
2: It yeah. you know what's interesting is when I saw this, um, when I saw the article initially, it was we we often hear about women's perspectives on this particular issue, but what really caught my attention was the story of a man who was trying to advocate for his wife, who was delivering mm-hmm. a child and just was not getting the, the healthcare needs that she um, needed at the time met. Um, so kind of just to see the anguish in his face and to hear you know, his story um, was really powerful. But in 2020, as we entered into the pandemic, we saw, that uh the maternal mortality rate increased by 14% from 2019 so we had 754 deaths in 2019 and it rose to 861 which is just when you think of that number just regardless of the increase when you think of that many women doing something that is what we consider natural mm-hmm. um to die during or shortly thereafter is just startling in a country that prides itself on being one of the most developed countries and having all of the resources and wealth that we do that, that we as a country allow that to happen so very often. Mm-hmm. And to look at it from a, a racial perspective in women of color dying at greater rates is just, it's alarming. Mm-hmm. um to think that this is something that we do not talk about nearly enough
0: it's become I- more, um i think more mainstream recently in the last 2 to 3 years um you you've, you've seen a lot more activity from um from groups that advocate for black maternal health um but i don't think that we have enough discussions um at our dinner tables and when our friend groups and things like that because Mm
2: -hmm.
0: uh, you know 860 something women sounds like a lot um, right
1: per 100,000 births
0: but there are there are definitely gonna be people that have never had someone in their life die or have or get close to death during pregnancy or the postpartum period so it's something
2: but when you think about the fact that um that we as black people only make up 13% of the United States population, but one third Mm -hmm. of new mothers or pregnant women that died in 2020 were black. Mm -hmm. How We don't even make up a third of the population, but we're making up a third of the deaths. And you know, what another thing that really is, these are things we heard from years and years and years ago. This is something that women didn't have, particularly women of color, didn't have access to the healthcare that we needed. Mm-hmm. You know, in our, well, I'll say my, since I'm a woman of a particular age, in my parents' generation, in my grandparents' generation, where you really had to depend on home births and you didn't always have access to a hospital and to a physician and those type of things. And now we're seeing that in 2020, in 2021, that we're still seeing alarming rates of maternal mortality. What, I mean, what is it that we can do differently to advocate not only for ourselves, but for those women and for the, for the healthcare system as a system to make changes, to really, you know, listen. I mean, and it's one of those things that it has no, Socioeconomic boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. um, Serena Williams talked mm-hmm. about her challenges um, and how the, the her healthcare team didn't want to listen to her and how she really had to stress and almost plead with them mm-hmm. to listen to what she was trying to tell them about how her body was feeling.
0: That's what's scary. Like you, you think about people like Dr. Chandra Wallace, who died
2: Mm.
0: um, died, um, in the pregnancy period and postpartum period. And it doesn't matter. You can be educated, highly educated. You Mm -hmm. have all the resources. You can have all of the access to care. And the reality is you're still more likely to die as a woman of color. And it's, at least that's what's scary for me um because you know back in the day what they used to say oh it was because um black women are poor low income they're they're low income they're not educated they don't know what words to use or say um so it used to be all of that and then you you start looking at the numbers and you're like well she got a phd she has an Mm. M she's a a lawyer she had you know she's high up there in the ranks she's got all the care that she needs Mm -hmm, the best health care right explain that and we can't so it's scary
2: yeah yeah and then i was gonna say valen i know that you have extensive experience working in the field of of maternal health and mental health what are some of the things that you have noticed or clients have shared with you about them being able to to advocate or questions that they have related to their own conditions and existence?
1: I I think from that perspective a lot of um, what I get is like hindsight knowledge that I wish we could share with each other. Like, you know, with Serena's situation, for instance, I was on a round table and actually her husband was talking and it was interesting you know, it was an interesting juxtaposition because sometimes in certain spaces it's like, the last thing I want to do is hear another white man talk about issues Mm -hmm. affecting black women, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm -hmm. as the white male husband of the, you know, most popular, highest paid female athlete in the world who, you know, had a near miss situation, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to hear him talk about how it shaped his experience and just brought to light things that he never had to consider as not mm. only a white man but a, a fairly wealthy white man and how like mm-hmm. it changed his policies and, um I think he owns Reddit or whatever company he started so he yeah. um, you know just with like um, parental leave and things like that but you know I have a lot of conversations with people who have had traumatic births or they have high risk pregnancies be it you know advanced maternal age or diabetes or hypertension and so on the one hand you know we communities of color black women we might have a higher probability of having some of these health issues that make us have high risk pregnancies Mm -hmm. so that puts us in a in a vulnerable position anyway but It was something um, in the language. um, Even though I've been working in maternal health, maternal mental health for a few years, it was I was having a conversation with my girlfriend who is a social worker, but she works um, in macro social work, and we were talking about just maternal health from both of these angles. And she was like, "You know, what what is the number one factor affecting us? You know, why is this happening?" And I was like, "Well, you know, it's like because race is a factor," and. she was like, no, it's racism. And so it's a lot of, you know, these conversations. And it was even, mm. you know, as someone, you know, who works in this space all the time, just the nuance of separating that because mm-hmm. racism, you know, that, that goes back to that mentality of like, well, shit, I'm educated. I got like the best plan that my company allows, you know, it's like, it's this thing that like, we can just overcome these systems that are set up, you know, and that doesn't mean that, you know, people are ill intention all the time. Like racism is just the way that systems work where, you know right. there's a lack of access to resources where you know um like medicaid that pays for the medicaid is the i think it's the largest insurer or insurance company for pregnant people and so and this mm-hmm. is some stuff i learned by being involved in uh like maternal stakeholder holders groups with march of dimes and the um office of the vice president but basically you know medicaid only covers the first 6 weeks after pregnancy right. or you know for for women who deliver. So, and that, that statistic that you brought up, the 14% increase, that includes, um, you know, pre- pregnancies up to 42 days after delivery. So, that first six weeks. So, even, you know, there are a lot of deaths that occur in the first year um, that happen even beyond that six weeks. But if, you know, Medicaid is the biggest insurance company, and so someone doesn't have access to care after that time you know um then how are they getting proper follow-ups or right. you know even just having conversations i would have a lot of conversations working in you know maternal mental health where i'm you know we're talking about like going to your follow-up or people will be in a therapy session talking to me about medications you know well, i don't take this because this makes me feel that way or you know woo. and i'm like okay what well, did you talk to your doctor or like let's figure out which doctor that's appropriate for the the gynecologist the um um, th- or the um psychiatrist and things like that but it's like it's just so nuanced because and I don't even think that those numbers include um like maternal um suicide because that happens no. too and mm-hmm. so you know that is also something that um you know affects the community but all of this to say I think it's just very nuanced but I'm not surprised it's sad but I'm not surprised because if we were disproportionately affected before a global pandemic i don't have no faith in you know i probably shouldn't say it like that but i'm just not surprised that things got worse for the most vulnerable people during a pandemic you know and at at that time i was actually working in a program not to be mentioned but unc um (laughs) okay (laughs) i was actually working over but the only black woman in my department, the uh, women's mood disorders clinic, and you know we talk about things like access to care I and mean, shit. I'm I'm out now, you know, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, I was the only black clinician on the team. Uh, but but not only that, I was working on a grant called Matter, so it's like making access to treatment, evaluation, and resources. I'm messing it up, but basically it was a, a grant, a federal grant through the state that the university received basically to help people in, in the rural parts of the state get access to ma- maternal health care. Um, and so, you know, be it actually medical, maternal resources, different things like that. So it was a great program, but just even recognizing some of the benefits that came from the pandemic that, you know... Um, Things shouldn't have been that way in the first place. Just for example- like, two months before the pandemic, I was in meetings about, you know, basically, telephone notes, and, you know, seeing people virtually, stealing from insurance, Um, you know, uh, basically, you know, you like, if people can't come in, now, I might can have a, I can have a conversation with you, but if I document that as, like, a clinical encounter, then that was, like, stealing from a utilization review kind of point of view, Um, and so, you know, from this, productivity sort of nuanced thing and healthcare is big business so that was another thing that came from the meetings with March of Dimes like how can there be accountability because honestly mm-hmm. in America we won't have nothing that means anything without affecting somebody somebody's bottom line They right. do they care that people die it's like well some people gonna live some people gonna die we all gonna die one day you know but how do we make shit happen right now? Is, you know, hold somebody's purse strings. And so it wasn't until after the pandemic where, you know, state boards and insurance companies were uh, being more lenient, quote unquote, and allowing us to um, have virtual and telephone business with people because then they realized it's an access issue. But like social workers, healthcare providers, you know, people like me and Erica. Access is access. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, yeah. if, I, if I'm talking to this lady face to face, I'm talking to her on the phone and she's suicidal or hemorrhaging, you know, either way, this is this is meaningful clinical work that needs to be addressed. And so, right. you know, but when it's all tied up, you know, like you can be well-meaning. And so that's what I was saying. Like, not every, you know white provider you know it's out to get you uh and not every black provider is gonna save a a black woman or a person of color on the table I mean even though my GYN is black and (laughs) to be told told, because we keep it real here my my GYN got the ball with shout out sis she black and I feel more comfortable when I go see her and we talk about my black vagina vulva, and my issues (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, shit. Yeah, that's straight up. But I'm just saying- It's these systems, and we work in these systems that were never set up for us to thrive. When you go back to exactly, you go back to you know, chattel slavery, when you go back to Henrietta Lacks, when you go back to the father of gynecology, you know, doing what he wanted to with us, like this Mm -hmm. stuff is so layered. So, you know, that I'm not surprised. Am I sad? Yes. Is it ridiculous? Yes. Is there room for improvement? Do I think things will change? I hope so, especially because, you know, this is something that's been very important to, like, the vice president. I hope that Joe, <laughs> I I hope that they actually get some more movement, you know, on a lot of things, but... I'm not surprised but I think to answer your original question having these conversations because there's so much that we don't really talk about unless like right now we're talking about it and somebody might say oh actually you know so-and-so had a near miss or so-and-so had to be rushed to the ICU Mm -hmm. my mom she works at a major hospital and she works um she she works on a my mom and I will talk about situations and just recently there was someone in their thirties who passed away right after delivery. And so, you know, it's, it happens all the time. And I believe the lady was black, you know, and it's, it's just sad. I mean, sad when anybody dies, because you think about this is something else I was, I was writing about and I'm gonna stop in a minute, but you know, I was saying that pregnancy, even though it's supposed to be this joyous time and experience. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all of them mate. You know, some people up all the time. <laughs> some people, <laughs> some people, some people have unicorn pregnancies, like Doctor J. And some people have other. I can't help like it. Dr. I did <laughs> both
2: times. I loved it. <laughs> Best time ever. That's what I'm saying. It don't matter.
1: I loved it. I loved Everybody it. has different experiences, but I don't know. It's it, it's it's just so much that happens out here. Mm, I, yeah. I am Even hopeful, the- but. Fear. We just we got to keep having these conversations and say, hey, like how can you how can you basically advocate for yourself um in in healthcare settings, I think that's yeah. what it boils down to on the sort of person level of it, because mm-hmm. a lot of it, I mean, you can be the most assertive assertive people then die too, you know, yeah. like <laughs> well informed people then die too.
2: Assertive, well informed, highly educated, wealthy, like and, across the board. And the even the rates of Hispanic women have gone up are are increasing and going up. They used to be down there you know, with lower rates with their white counterparts. And now we're seeing even in, in, in their communities that the rates are rising. So it's just like all the black and brown people. Yeah.
0: And the hard part, I think, you know, uh, is during when the pandemic began, right? Like very few health systems were set up to number one, deal with the global pandemic, Mm -hmm. but number two, specifically for maternal care, deal with the global pandemic, trying to keep both providers, staff, and patients safe Mm -hmm. away from the hospital as much as possible, away from clinic, but still give them the level of care that we're used to. The reality is, didn't nobody know how to fucking do that. Nobody knew right. how to do that. Right. Even working as I do for a large HMO um, or being in large hospital systems where you, you know, like Valen was saying, kind of before the pandemic, you had started doing some virtual stuff. Nobody realized that we were going to be mostly virtual for two years straight. Mm-hmm. And how was that going to translate into outcomes specifically for pregnant patients? Right. right. Um, so you, you, you already had people dropping dead, like flies from COVID in general, and Mm -hmm. pregnancy is considered a high risk condition that increases your risk of contracting COVID. So then you had pregnant women getting COVID dying,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, on top of just, you know, women of color being at high risk of dying in general. So you already are at high risk for death. If you get COVID, you're going to die, or we're going to get really close to death. Mm and then you can't even go in to see your you know your healthcare provider your midwife your doctor whatever it, in the same fashion that you would normally
2: normal. right. and
0: there's and, and and nobody knows how to do that
2: yeah and you add in women who are impoverished who may not have the access to technology to even have a telehealth visit
1: right, right. girl okay now we go in there and you know what i just had an epiphany about is the, the COVID protocols, because mm-hmm. my cousin, she delivered her son alone in Mississippi because she had contracted COVID about a week before she delivered. And so she was not able to have her um, boyfriend be with her in the delivery room. You just think about like, you know, people who you're already vulnerable. And sometimes like having that mom, that bestie, that Partner, you know, to say, hey, like her blood pressure is dropping because you know staff were prioritizing COVID patients. You know, staff were sick. You know, it was the strictest protocols. Of you got symptoms, you got to get out. I remember, you know, um, even when you know Dr. Clay, when you were um, when you got the vaccine, even you sharing your experience of having to advocate for yourself as a pregnant person and Mm -hmm. as a because they didn't
2: want to give it to you.
1: I'm treating patients so I would rather take the risk of getting the vaccine and protecting my child versus not and so even that you know was like something that we learned over time now it's like you know it's safe for pregnant women but you know everything was like happening in real time so it was like well we don't know if that's safe for you and are you breastfeeding so it's all these nuances like you said already affecting a very vulnerable population to start with.
0: Yeah. And I will just yeah. say shameless plug. If you don't know shit about Henrietta Lacks or the father of gynecology, I actually have a blog post on my website. Hey,
2: look at that. Oh okay. no, what's that website? Okay. What's that website? we
1: educating the people. Okay. So EricaSclay.com. I'm just saying. I was about to I, say, I, wait, because I was talking over you. Can you say
0: that website again for the people? Dr. Erica S. Clay.com. I'm just saying, if you okay. don't know, if you don't know who Henrietta Lacks is, you should. And if you don't know, a lot of people don't know actually about the founder of gynecology. And I and I will I will tell you so as a woman of color and a person of color who went through medical school, who went to a black, historically black college and a historically black medical school, I didn't find this out until I got into residency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is after dedicating my life to a a career that was um, I, <laughs> that was founded on and forced upon black slaves. So I, like mm-hmm. it, it's amazing what you learn when you're looking for it. So I'm just saying, if you don't know, you should go find out, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But it, it's hard, like I, as, as a woman of color, um, as a woman of color who has not only worked through a pandemic, been pregnant through a pandemic, Delivered in a pandemic, and uh, then
2: turned around and wanted to do and it. And then
0: turned around and, <laughs> fucked around and okay. um, but as, as someone who not only had who who has transcended both sides of the coin, essentially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. I have a I have a distinctive perspective. Um, I I too have to be the patient, right? Mm-hmm. I too have to mm-hmm. watch staff and other people not take what I say seriously until I bust out the fact that I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, I'm saddened because I at least have the privilege of-
1: I was just saying yeah. how the burdensome day. is it yeah. that you got to whip that card out when you can't just be a pregnant black woman?
0: Yeah. But because in, in a lot of situations, you can't. And I think about the number of women who don't, either have that privilege of having the knowledge or the education or someone with them, which is why right now you're seeing tons and tons of talk about having doulas be part, yep. part yep. of health care, um, to have access to more midwifery care, uh, mm-hmm. especially for rural communities so that people can actually get the care and the education that they need. Right. Um, but it's sad because I walk that line. I walk the line of, of, of wanting to believe Wholeheartedly, that I am an unbiased, non judgmental woman of color physician that takes care of people equally in a system that was designed to force me to not take care of people equally. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's hard. It's hard. While well, I fight every day <laughs> to be as unbiased and non judgmental and to be an advocate for those in my community that don't have that. Mm-hmm. I am reminded on a regular basis, not only personally, but professionally, how the system was set up um, and how it was designed to never, ever, ever prioritize people of color. Um, And it's, it's depressing, quite frankly. It's depressing. Yeah. But if we don't talk about it, if we don't share it with our daughters and our mm-hmm. mothers and our sisters and our friends about ways to advocate um, for themselves, that it's okay to ask for second opinions. It's okay to seek out a person of color. Not that they're also, not like Valen said, not that they're all gonna give you the best care because they're not. Okay. There are lots of bad black doctors, um, but to, to have the confidence regardless of your education level, your socioeconomic status, where you come from, what state you live in, to say that your
2: age, the way you speak,
0: yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that. Tell.
1: Ask why. Ask why people yeah, ask if there's medication. an alternative
2: if that, it's something that you're not comfortable with
1: right and why why this over are there other options you yeah. know like yeah. and this is not maternal but I was having a conversation with my doctor about my fibroids and she was like you know I'm not comfortable doing surgery because of the size and the location and it's invasive and I don't think that it would benefit you right now you know you don't have kids like she broke it all the way down and maybe because you know she been seeing me in my bowl for a few years now but I was just like you know oh I said (laughs) I'm tired of this mess (laughs) but you know even just kind of having these conversations because some people we've talked about this before but you know I just know like when big mama was in the hospital in Mississippi with COVID well she didn't have COVID with her stroke and they had her on the COVID unit because she had had COVID two months before that and my family was just like oh the doctor said she needed to be on that um she needed to be in that unit and i'm like no, why <laughs> no so she didn't get it again you're yeah, right you know but just having those just asking why like what who who said yeah. that because is that the policy are I, there
0: other options i think what's so hard and i, and I think this happens it, do not think that your white colleagues are not asking why. Do not think yeah. that the white women who are in the, in the, in the yeah. exam room next to you aren't saying, well, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do that? Who are you? Why do I need to see you? Where are you? Like they are asking the question. So don't feel mm-hmm. bad. Don't feel like you're challenging because any- right. Any physician, whether they're a person of color or not, any physician who cannot explain to you what's happening or the why or the if and the, or the whatever doesn't need to be taken care of you. Right. And I have these conversations all the time with patients of mine, even if I don't have an answer, like if it, why, why does someone have PCOS? Well, bitch, some people just do. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. know why you get it. And your sister didn't, we don't know that, mm-hmm. but that is an honest conversation that your doctor can have right. We don't have all the answers. Science is not Jesus. Okay. So we don't know everything, but that, but the person who's taking care of you should not feel threatened or challenged or angry or upset just because you asked a question. And if they do, that should be a ginormous red fucking flag and you should be running for the hills. So and, and other, other people are doing other people, the number of patients I have who are Hispanic, who come to see me and ask me questions fine, who have said to me, and just so you know, I am going to this person, that person, this person, I'm asking them the same questions. I've already, you know, I've gone to Mexico and they told me this. I want to see what you say. Other people, other cultures are okay and encouraged to ask yeah. questions and figure out what's best for them. Why our community doesn't seem I guess, or, or just doesn't feel the confidence or the ability to do that. I don't know. But,
2: well, I I, know I, I think part of it, and I mean, this could go down a whole different rabbit hole because I know as soon as I say it, Valen is going to say, going to jump in it.
1: Uh-oh, let me sip oh, my water.
2: Don't sip it. It's because... <laughs> we can't be our here
0: for an hour now, okay? We because have that our, car, vo- our
2: voice was stolen so far, far long ago yeah. that we've never allowed and given ourselves permission to reclaim it
1: it's true well and then the the opposite of that is then you don't want to be the confrontational combative ghetto person the you know pushing
2: and yeah that and that it's about like, whole, everything that goes with that
1: yeah right exactly so yeah but
0: you don't i think that's the thing is is i guess maybe that's what it is is that we've tied you know asking for understanding and for clarification, or society has tied that
2: there you and go. made
0: that well that society translates that to, ourselves. to being aggressive and angry mm-hmm. and non-compliant and all of that. Um when in fact you just want to understand. Right. Uh, yeah. I I've had situations where or I've I've I have been kind of looped in to situations where women on our L and D unit have asked questions like, okay, I understand what you're saying. I understand that what your recommendations are, but can I do this instead? And what comes from that? The nurse comes out, the doctor comes out, the midwife comes out and they'll say, Oh, well, she just, she, she wants to hurt herself or hurt her baby or her, you." Know? And you're like, or she wants to know if there's anything else that can be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. there's any other option that she has, Um, and that, that's a societal thing, but that shouldn't change the fact that you should still act, receive,
2: and you should still receive quality care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that as this pandemic continues, because it's never going away, I've decided that it's never going away. This is how we live now. We don't, (laughs) you know, we don't see anything other than people's eyeballs and (laughs) we don't breathe on anybody, which is actually okay. But, um, as I think as as the pandemic has gone on and we've gotten better at being able to do more virtual health and more telehealth, I'm hoping that we find out better ways to take care of people in general, people, not just women right. of color, but people in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but until we get to that space, I just implore implore my women of color, ask, talk, think like whatever, like just don't don't allow someone. Just because they're more educated than you, or the, or at least you think they're more educated than you, um, to not allow you to understand what's happening to you or what's happening, you know, what's going to happen to you in the future without, without at least asking. Yep. Okay. It's not a reason to. Yeah. We're dying too much.
2: I think that those closing points and arguments. Mm. Wraps up another episode of. This
0: is this is sex. I need a
2: drink.